Amen. Jesus is precious. We are in John chapter 1 as we look at John the Baptist and what he had to say about Jesus and the challenge that he made as he spoke of Jesus. Uh, Verses 29 through 34 of John chapter 1. Ask when you find that to stand in our God's honor. As I read from the sacred text. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said a man comes after me, has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you for Jesus. It is because of his love that we're here. The perfect love shown to us. And I pray, Father, that as we look at the truth of how critical it is to look to Jesus. Nowhere else to look. Everywhere else is hopeless, but not with you, Lord. So I just pray that you guide us as we look at your truth tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. John the Baptist must have been a character in his day. Uh, you know, running around with the camel hair clothing and and eating locust and wild honey and proclaiming a, a powerful message. And the crowds would come to hear this guy. And from best we can tell, he spent a lot of time alone. A lot of time in prayer, a lot of time before God. And he had a different kind of look about him. But he had a powerful way with words because he had the anointing of God on his life. Matter of fact, Jesus spoke very highly of John. Uh, If you look in Matthew 11, chapter 11, we read these words from our Lord concerning John the Baptist. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there's not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He said, this guy, is as, he's as sharp and good a man as has ever been, but yet he's not divine, yet he's not of the power of one in the kingdom of heaven. He's a man. And as we read about this guy, turn over to John chapter 3 and we catch a glimpse of John. Uh, It starts out verse 22. It's John's testimony about Jesus. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. John also was baptizing in Enon near Solomon because there was plenty of water and people were 
constantly coming to be baptized. So he had quite an effective ministry as people were coming from seemingly everywhere to be baptized. And, and, and there was an excitement in the air and, and there was a power that was associated with this ministry. Tells us that this was before he was put in prison. And it talks about an argument that happened between John's disciples and a certain Jew uh, over ceremonial washing. And, and anyway, uh, John replied he, in verse 27 He says, A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify, I said, I'm not the Christ, but I'm sent ahead of him. John is saying, Look, I am not to be the focus of attention. I'm just a messenger, I'm just a servant. I'm not the one that you're really looking for. And then he goes on, verse 29, he says, The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits, and and he listens for him, and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And he says, That joy is mine. And it's now a complete joy. What's he saying? He's saying, Hey, I'm not who you're looking for. I'm come to proclaim him. And then he says, verse 30, what a powerful verse. He must become greater. I must become less. He's saying from this point on, the focus of my ministry is not to give any attention to me, although I didn't intend for that, but to point somewhere else to the promised one. I'm here just to prepare the way. I'm here just to roll out the carpet for the one who really deserves praise, who really deserves our hearts. And he he describes that, verse 31. He says, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth. And it speaks as one from the earth. You know, he who testifies to what he's seen and heard, no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it is certified God's truthful. And then he goes on, for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. You see, John came and he preached a baptism of repentance. But it wasn't just about repentance that he came to speak. And in our text, in John chapter 1, he reveals what he's really looking for. See, people had come, they had, they, had, they had come because, you know, they wanted to experience God. They, they wanted a power in their lives. They, 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 they longed, they hungered for God. They, instead of just going through the motions, they wanted to know the Master. There's a big difference. And as they came and they gathered, I, I love our text. It, it tells us that in the middle of his message, John, he just looks And he points to Jesus and he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what he says is so important because the truth of real faith, there's only one place to really look. And that's to Jesus Christ. There are a lot of other places that we can look, but there's only one place where there's life. There's only one place where there's forgiveness. And of course, we know what Jesus himself said. He said... I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And, and as John reveals this truth, we see four areas. Since lately I'm doing four-point sermons instead of three-point sermons. I don't know what that's about. 
But there are four areas we're going to look at from this text today of, of the beauty of looking to Jesus. First, we look to Jesus because he is our sacrifice. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In that culture, of course, the Lamb was seen as an animal to be sacrificed. A, a Lamb without spot, a Lamb without blemish. A lamb that was sacrificed for sin. Turn me to Leviticus uh, 16 in the Old Testament. Uh, it's early on after Exodus. Uh, move into Leviticus. but Leviticus 16. And, and uh, it goes in detail. And it, it talks about sacrifice. Animal sacrifices. And how they're be, to be prepared. As it's time to come with a sacrifice. In regard to atonement. In regard to pleasing God. Um, talks about in verse 15. About the slaughter of the goat. For a sin offering. And, and the people who, who come behind the curtain. With the bull's blood. And how it's sprinkled on the atonement cover. And then he comes down to verse 16. And he says. In, in this way we make atonement. For the most holy place. Because of the uncleanness and the rebellion of the Israelites. It says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. No forgiveness of sins. Because of the uncleanness, whatever their sins have been, whatever they are. But the reason I wanted to share this is there's a concept in here as you go down. Um, verse 17. He, he talks about going into the tent of meeting, making that atonement. Um, then he, he comes down and he makes mention of a scapegoat. Then we come down to verse 20 and he talks about uh, the scapegoat. He says, Aaron had finished making atonement, the holy place, tent of meeting, and the altar. He shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites. All their sins. Put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert. In the care of a man appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself. All their sins. To a solitary place. And the man shall release it. Into the desert. You know this came to my mind. When I think thought about Jesus. Being a sacrifice for our sins. And. And not just merely the sins that we become aware of and that we say, God, forgive me of this sin that where the Holy Spirit convicts us and gives us a burden. But even for those sins that we miss, that, that, that you know, David talks about in um, the Psalms. Um, I think it's Psalm 19 where he says, God, for, uh, forgive my secret faults, my hidden faults. I think it's Psalm 19, 13. Forgive, forgive those uh, hidden secret faults. And, and yeah, I thought about the scapegoat. I thought about the beauty of, of what that symbolizes. They took this goat and, and the priest would place his hands on that goat. And, and that was symbolizing of taking the sins of the nation of the people that loved God and the people who were not able to c confess every specific sin and, and 
placing those sins upon that goat and sending the goat out into the wild in that solitary place as the sin would be taken away, would be removed from the community of faith. And that's what Jesus has done as a sacrifice for our sins. He took upon Himself our sin on Calvary. And when He said, it is finished, that sin was taken as far as the east is from the west in the sight of God. It was taken away. He became that perfect sacrifice for us. Lambs uh, in that day were also a living symbol of innocence. Made me think of, uh, they were often as pets uh, among the people. It wasn't unusual for a young lamb to be a pet as well. And remember David's count in Second Samuel 11, we... Of course, we read about his his sinful choices and how he tried to hide those choices. And then we come to chapter 12 as a prophet comes on the scene by the name of Nathan who confronts David with a story. Uh, this is from 2 Samuel chapter 12. It says, The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. It was his baby. And some of y'all are like me and are stupid with your dogs. They're about like your babies. I know, that's how we are. It's like, good night, this dog's got the good life. But this was that... That lamb. And, and then it says, A traveler came to the rich man. The rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. It said, David burned with anger. Why did he burn with anger? It's because this was a precious pet. It was meaningful to that poor man. Precious to that poor man. Like a child to him. And that was just such an act that, that had no mercy. Had no mercy. And, and you know what a picture of God's Lamb, the Lamb of God, who died on our behalf. And what a horrible thing that was, but He did it for us. He did it for us. He became that sacrifice for us, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Maybe you heard this illustration, but I'll share it, about a man who was on a luxury liner, and he fell overboard in the water. And so they were trying to make a decision what to do, and different stuff happened uh, it says, uh, the first man, when he saw the man fall overboard, he reached into his briefcase, pulled out a book on how to swim. He tossed it to him and yelled, Now, brother, you read that and just follow the instructions and you'll be all right. The man next to him, when he saw the man fall overboard, he jumped into the water and began swimming all around the drowning man, saying, Now, just watch me swim. Do as I do and you'll be all right. The next person looked upon the drowning man's plight with deep concern and yelled out, now, just hold on, friend. Help's on the way. We're going to establish a committee and dialogue your problem. And then, if we come up with the proper financing, we will resolve your dilemma. The next man on deck happened to be a representative of the School of Positive Thinking, for he yelled out to the drowning men, Friend, this situation is not nearly as bad as you think. Think dry. <laughs> the next man on board happened to have led 
many revival meetings. For by this time, the drowning man was going down for the third time and desperately waving his arms, seeing the revivalist yell out, Yes, brother, I see that hand. Is there another? Is there another? <laughs> but finally, the last man on deck immediately plunged in the water at the risk of his own life and pulled the victim to safety. And the beauty of the good news of God is God's the one who dove into our sin. And he pulled us to safety. Jesus the sacrifice. Second reason looking to Jesus is he is supreme. Uh, look at verse 30 and 31. This is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me. Because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water is that he might be revealed to Israel. He is above all. John the Baptist drummed out the theme. He said, although you guys are looking at me, the one I'm speaking about, he's the one who deserves worship. He's the one who deserves your, your praise. Not me. He is the one who is worthy. Uh, he tried to explain to them his, his mission. Although he came preaching, John the Baptist came and he, he preached a message of repentance. You've got to get your heart right. He spoke of the fact, quit playing games with God. I, I love it in Matthew chapter 3. It said that some of the Pharisees, some of those religious people, they came to John the Baptist and, uh, you know, they, they just wanted to find something wrong with him. And, and John, he, man, he was one, he didn't mess around. And I love Matthew 3 8. It says that John the Baptist looked over at him in the Amplified Bible. It's, it says, John looked at him and says, Bring forth fruit that is consistent with repentance. Let your lives prove your change of heart. In other words, he's saying, I'm tired of all this religious stuff you guys do, but you're not real. I want to see a change of heart, is what he was saying to him, and that your life might bring forth a change. A change that others can see. Man, that was, that was John as he preached. But it wasn't just so that people would begin to live the right way. He said, I want you to get your heart tender so that you can see Jesus. That, that was his ultimate game. That, that, that was his ultimate heart. That, that's what he was after. Um, look as he says here in John 1 as he describes that. He, he says, I came baptizing with water, verse 31, so that he might be revealed to Israel. So that Jesus might be made known. The whole the whole purpose of his preaching was to 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 lead the way to prepare the way for jesus who was to come and people misunderstood that baptism sometimes baptism is misunderstood and eh, take time to try to be funny or a little joke about a little girl and she went to a baptist church grew up in methodist church she couldn't believe it she watched this baptism her and her sister came home tried to describe to her parents what happened said Never seen a baptism like that. Mom said, they pulled them into this big pool in the back of the church. And the preacher grabbed them. And they were wearing white gowns. And took the person and, and said to them, We're here in the power of God to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son. And in the hole you go. Took them down and brought them up. Sometimes there's a misunderstanding about Baptism, purpose of baptism. But John the Baptist is trying to say, this is about the one I want you to see. 
I want you to look to Him, to Jesus. This is not just merely about being baptized. It's about meeting the Messiah. That was the purpose and the heart of His ministry. A third reason to look to Jesus is He is Spirit-directed. I look at verses 32 and 33 of John 1. Then John gave his testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John gave this testimony. He he said, as I prepared for the baptism, he says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven, a dove, and, and, and remained on him. And, and at that moment, it, it was confirmed in my heart and in my mind who he was. He said, I would not have known him, except he, he said uh, the word he heard was the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain. He didn't leave. The dove stayed there. The, the power of God remained on him, that the Holy Spirit covered him, and, and that he was the Messiah. And, and that was the evidence that was, that was pulled forth that that was shown, um, and that was Jesus. Everything that Jesus did in his ministry pointed to the fact that he was in perfect agreement with the Father. You know, he said in John ten, verse thirty, "I and the Father are one." We're connected. I love John uh, five nineteen. Jesus gave them this answer very truly. I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees His Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. He's, he's directed. He walks with God and there's a, there's a perfect walk that is, it, it's more than, than just being good. There's something about Him. <laughs> he's the Messiah. He's the Messiah, and that's a great truth uh, that was spoken. Uh, he modeled perfectly, I think, you know, in Galatians 5, it talks about in verse 16 that we're to walk in the Spirit of God. I love it in the Amplified because it says, uh, you know, takes that sentence, makes it a paragraph. <laughs> but I say, walk habitually in the Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. That was the life of Jesus as he walked upon this earth. He walked habitually, responsive to, and guided by the Spirit of God. And then I love verse 25 in Galatians 5. He says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And as you think about that, everywhere Jesus walked, he walked in step with the Spirit of God. For he is God. Everything he said, everything he did, he walked in step with the Spirit of God. We're told in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Jesus walked with the Spirit. We're called to follow the Spirit of God. And Jesus is the one that we want to be like. The one that we look to, the one that we emulate. We look to Jesus, he was spirit directed. I love this quote from one of the early church fathers in AD 381, Gregory of Nazareth. Uh, listen to this. 
Oh, wait, that's, I'm jumping ahead here. Let, let, get to this last point here, and then we'll, we'll read that quote in a minute. Fourth reason why we look to, to look to Jesus is he's the Son of God. Look at verse 34. I have seen and testified that this is God's chosen one. There's nobody like Jesus. Turn me to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. There is a great verse that so beautifully expresses this awesome truth of the identity of Jesus Christ, of who he is. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he inherited is superior to theirs. And the whole chapter just tells us he's superior to everyone and everything. He is superior. Why is he superior? He's Jesus. He's the Son of God. And I love that verse. The way it, He's the radiance of God's glory. If, if you want to see the glow of God, you look at Jesus. He radiates the glory of God. The exact representation of his being. Who is God like? What is God like? Do you want to know God? Do you want to see God? Look at Jesus. He's the exact representation of his being. And sustaining all things by his powerful word. What a, what a wonderful testimony we have. That his powerful word sustains and holds us together. And keeps us together. And that he had provided purification for sins. He, when it was completed, Calvary was completed, he was resurrected. He went to sit at the right hand of the Father. He is the majesty, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Son of God. The chosen one. Now, this quote I got too early of Gregory. He began his ministry by being hungry, yet he's the bread of life. Jesus ended his earthly ministry by being thirsty, yet he's the living water. Jesus was weary, yet he's our rest. Jesus paid tribute, yet he's the king. Jesus was accused of having a demon, yet he cast out demons. Jesus wept, yet he wipes away our tears. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, yet he redeemed the world. Jesus was bought as a lamb to, brought as a lamb to the slaughter, yet he is the good shepherd. Jesus died, yet by his death he destroyed the power of death. Now, close with some application points here. Taking the scripture here. First, uh, each of us are to look to Jesus. I can't do that for you. You can't do that for me. It's something each person has to do. Who's Jesus? Are you going to look to him? Are you going to rest in him? Are you going to trust him? And to make no decision is a decision. You know, it's so sad to see people who, well, I'll do it someday. Man, you're missing it. It's just so sad. Look, there's, there. you know, I call them like sin bombs all around you. You know, like landmines with their sin mines. And without Jesus, I'm sure going to step in one. And boom! I'm going to blow up or somebody I love is going to blow up, but it's not good. Man, the sooner I look to Jesus, why not wait? Uh, this is Shel Silverstein, who writes a lot of children's books and 
He says, I walked through the wildwood, and what did I see? But a unicorn with his horn stuck in a tree, crying, Someone, please help me before it's too late. I hollered, I'll free you. He hollered back, Wait, how much will it hurt? How long will it take? How hard will you pull? How much must I pay? Must you do it right now, or is Wednesday okay? Have you done this before? Do you have the right tools? Have you graduated from Horn Saving School? <laughs> will I owe you a favor? What will it be? Do you promise you'll not damage the tree? Should I close my eyes? Should I sit down or stand? Do you have insurance? Have you washed your hands? <laughs> and after you free me, tell me what then? Can you guarantee I won't get stuck again? Tell me when. Tell me how. Tell me why. Tell me where. I guess that he's still sitting there. Way. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the guilt of our transgressions. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the power of sin to master us. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the pollution and stain of our sin. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the contamination, frees us. He sets us free, but He doesn't force us into His freedom. He gives us that opportunity. May we take it. Second, uh, Jesus wants to soak us with the Holy Spirit. He wants us to know Him fully. To be full of the Spirit of God. It says in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. It is never a matter of at the moment we receive Jesus into our lives, it is never a matter of receiving all of the Spirit of God. When we are baptized into Christ Jesus, He gives us the fullness of the Spirit of God. The question is not, do I receive the fullness of the Spirit of God? The question is, has He received me? Am I submitted to Him? It's not about His faithfulness to me. It's about my faithfulness to Him. And what He wants to do is fill us to the full. As we submit. And third. Uh, and I actually. I messed this up on the outlines. A little change here. In Revelation we behold Christ as a conqueror. Worthy of our praise. As a conqueror worthy of our praise. And this is from Revelation 5 verse 12. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength. And honor. And glory. And praise. We look to him because he's worthy. He's worthy of everything we have. And all that we are. To receive. Our praise. And our love. So, that's a challenge. May each and every day. Not just the moment of salvation. You know sometimes when we think of salvation. We think of salvation. As something. That. Has been completed. But the actual Greek terminology. Of are you saved. Is actually in three different tenses. Is I have been saved. I am being saved. And I will be saved. The picture here is. At the moment of salvation. Jesus enters my life. And I am freed. From my past sins. But you know what. He gives me power to be free. From the mastery of sin. Now. Today, and praise be to God, he promises me that at one point there'll be no more battle with sin because I'll be home. And that's the hope that each of us have.
This is just for a time, but this is not all that there is. One day, we'll be really alive in him. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you that we've been able to look at your scripture. We've been reminded of John the Baptist, one of my favorite people in the Bible, because uh, at the moment he was at his height of popularity, making the circuit speaking. He said, he must become greater. I must become less. How can you not love a man who is willing to say it's because of God, not me? And Lord, I pray that you do that in each of us. May we look to Jesus and not to ourselves and not to someone else and not to what we have or what we want. But may we look to Jesus and may he be our hope. And maybe someone here needs to do business with you, needs to look to you and let you look inside and do some work on us. Maybe it's uh, an issue that has been there a while and you're saying now's the time to deal with it. Look to Jesus. Because when we look to Jesus, he never leaves us the same. He's always at work. Thank you, Father, that we can look at your truth. And as you choose, may you change us. Christ's name we pray. Amen.